Duncan, uh, what's his name? What's his name? We're live. Justin always <laughs> has a penchant for talking while we go live. You I'm told like, me to look it up. I looked it up. <laughs> I'm going to start the show. All right, so what's up, guys? We're going to talk a little bit about the Badgers are once again in the market for an offensive line coach. We were both actually up just kind of like chatting about it. And we're like, well, why don't we just go live and chat about it with the community? Let's bring mm-hmm. everybody into this. So kind of a bonus episode, but let's talk about it. Let's chop it up on Wisconsin. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day, sometimes more than once a day. Uh, today's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, so news broke today. Offensive line coach Jack McNell Jr. is going to be reassigned. It didn't say fired. Um, we don't have a ton of details, and I don't really want to speculate. Unless sounds something like an, it sounds like he's going to be an analyst. Right. So he's yeah. moved somewhere inside um, the program. The bigger picture, he's not going to be the offensive line coach anymore. Um, the two things I want to kind of start the show off with, and Justin, I'll let you go. I'll let you pick which one you want to start with. Um, how much of this is on Luke Fickle, or do we want to talk about the turnover that this position has had in the coaching ranks for the last five years? Well, let's Where talk about we- Fickle first, okay? Because um, this is, you know, we're we're kind of getting a feel for everything that's coming out after this first year, and how he handles like a lack of production and and problems within his group. I think we, you and I discussed this a little bit, and I said I didn't think a lot of it was on him because I think that this was a long goal request, but I think that ultimately, as we discussed it falls on the head coach. Like he's the one that is, is the, at the top of the hill when things don't go as planned, he's going to be the guy that is hearing about it. And this season didn't go as planned. The offensive line wasn't good for a lot of the season and we, our running game wasn't good, but there's a lot of factors in, in what the offensive line was this year. Like we passed the ball a lot more. So when, when they start, when people start throwing out rushing tallies and what the Wisconsin rushing game was like this year, I look at it and I'm like, we also had games where we threw the ball 40 times. Sure. I, I can't put that on the rushing. Like the running game is not going to have a lot of yardage when you're behind in games or you feel the offense or the offensive coordinator feels that the best opportunity to make plays is in the passing game. So you have to kind of look at it. There's a lot of nuance to this, but I, I do think it was promising to see that he was not happy with what happened. And he decided we need to make a change here because I'm not happy. This is not up to the level of expectation that I have. Uh, Matt says, hi, what's up, Matt? Hey, <laughs> um, so I, I put most of this, I think you and I disagreed a little bit on this. I put most of this on, on Luke Fickle. I, mm-hmm. I, I, ultimately you are responsible as a head coach for the people that are hired to your staff. I do agree with you. I think Longo, obviously you worked with them. It was probably a long recommendation. Longo was probably really high on them and said, this guy can do it. But ultimately Luke Fickle is not a first time head coach. He's been around yeah. no other offensive line coaches. And he said, rubber stamped it, said, yep, let's go with them. That's on him. Ultimately. Now, the second part of what you said, I also really agree with. Like, and this is actually something I don't have a ton of praise for James Franklin, Penn State's head coach. Um, but one of the things I really like that he does is when there's a coach he doesn't like, he cuts bait. He doesn't let it linger. He doesn't try to work it another year. Mm-hmm. He, like, I like that aspect of Luke Fickle. Like, it's decisive. If this doesn't work, all right, we're moving on. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. But you also got it, it's better if you make the hire, the right hire the first mm-hmm. time, right? That's, yeah. that's the point. 100%. For whatever reason, that did happen. 
Um, I don't put the Mike Brown thing too much on this. I mean, he got poached. Notre Dame came and got him. I don't think it was a great fit. But this one feels more like a mishire. And mm-hmm. to me, most of that lies at the head coach's doorstep. because he's I, that Yeah, and I won't argue that at all. I mean, at, when it comes down to it, I think that he was relying a little too much on what he, what Longo he what Longo was telling him or what he felt the the level of trust that he had in Longo in terms of his recommendation. And he probably shouldn't have. Now we've kind of discussed a little bit about who potentially are options to refill this. I brought up the guy from Kansas. I want to preface this with there is nothing I know that says that that's the guy. And I think people really, when it comes to offensive line coaching and play, it's really difficult for me to say, yeah, take a look at that guy. He's a good guy for this because the type of offense that they're playing can be so different. Mm-hmm. Kansas is a triple option type scheme that they're doing a lot of moving around and pulling and stuff like that when they're they're snapping. That's not necessarily what Wisconsin's doing here. So when I throw a guy out there like that because I've seen him be effective, that doesn't necessarily mean that bringing a guy like that into Wisconsin is going to be a good fit for what we're trying to do. And that's uh, ultimately that's the biggest factor here. You need somebody that's going to get the best out of these guys and who is the best fit for what they're trying to do offensively. Mm-hmm. And let's let's then shift a little bit to <clears throat> the turnover at this position, right? This position in what five years? Five years has gone from Joe Rudolph to Bob Bostead to Al Johnson to Jack Bicknell Jr. to a new guy. Mm-hmm. That it, listen, we we just saw multiple multiple in the last couple of years multiple four and five star players transfer out of Wisconsin at the offensive line spot. You're not going to develop if you have a new offensive line coach every single year. Like, I won't argue that. Yeah, You have to, and you mentioned this before the show, like I put this out on Twitter or in the Discord, one of the two, I forget. You got to hit a home run now. You got to get a guy in here and stop shuffling offensive line coaches every year because mm-hmm. it's sad what's become of offensive line you. You, mm-hmm. you can't have that if you cycle coaches every single year. And listen, Luke Fickle knows that. Like he's smarter than I am with football. He knows that. But all right, now let's get a guy in here and yeah. let's like, develop some dudes. This, this has got to be a home run hire, and they need – because honestly, this is going to be the – the offense was bad this last year, and part of it was the offensive line. We weren't great. Like, you can have mediocre running backs, and if you have a really good offensive line, those guys can play up a level. We definitely didn't do that this last year. Um, the scheme-wise, the blocking scheme from people who are who knew better than me, the style of blocking that they said, there, there have been significant changes, too, across all three of the offensive line coaches that were there. They all had a different style. They all wanted to block things differently. I think one of the pluses to this is is that moving from Bicknell to somebody else, we're staying with the same offensive style. So ideally, they're probably going to have somebody that's going to come in that's going to be similar to what he was teaching. And I that will hopefully be a, a net positive because it won't be like we're scrapping everything and starting from square one technique-wise again with all these guys. And if that's the case, you can build on things. Yeah. Then maybe you're not in too bad a shape. That's a good point. No, that's a really good point. And with Bicknell still on staff too, Longo still on staff, you should be able to build at least somewhat on what you've had. You're still going to listen. You're still going to have a different personality for people to get used to though, right? You're still going mm-hmm. to. It's not going to be seamless, um, but that is a very good point that it shouldn't all be starting over from scratch. You know, it's the other thing I'd say, and I you see it every time a coach is, is fired, Justin, it's which former Badger could come in here and coach. You don't want Joe Thomas. Yeah, I mean, no. Thomas do it. Well, I, I said this when when people started mentioning it. I instantly said, "You don't want any ex Badger because none of them have played this style of offensive line. 
they were all like a run-heavy pro-style offensive line. They are not guys who are used to being in a wide split spread offensive line style and trying to do that. So I think it'd be a terrible idea to bring somebody from Wisconsin in that when that's not what we want to be doing right. from a, a, a methodology. And well, that's a great point. I didn't even really, I didn't even really go to that point. That's probably a better point than mine was just why would a multimillionaire like Joe Thomas want to recruit and deal with this? Like you he, want he doesn't, people. he's got young children for one thing. He yeah. doesn't want anything to do with the grind of coaching day to day and doing 16 hour days. Yeah. You want, you definitely want somebody who's going to go in there and really just live on the road, recruit like an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you want, that's what you need. You need like a young Bob Bostead with better recruiting chops, mm-hmm. essentially. Someone in the comments said, I didn't know this. And I don't, I still don't know if this is true. Matt Van Grinsen says Joe Thomas lives in Germany. Is that true? Uh, somebody mentioned that he had something that he was doing over there. Hmm, that's interesting. So that may be reality. I thought Brian Anderson had mentioned him too, that hmm. he might be doing something. So I'm not sure what that's about. I thought he was living here in, in the area, but maybe that's changed. Must be so. why he's not returning my calls. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> time zone thing. I never yeah, – yeah. uh, it makes sense now. I get it, Joe. Yeah. Um, Let's let's get a quick break for our friends of the show, and then whatever else you guys want to talk about with this offensive line stuff. We have a couple of comments that I wanted to get into too. Um, just some people disagreeing with some of our takes from our earlier shows. Um, a few people disagreeing with maybe Justin's take on the upset of Connor Sejan, my take on the depth of the team. Uh, definitely want to get into that coming up next, and we're always here for it, right? If you guys disagree, put the comment in. As long as it's respectful, it goes on the show, and we talk about it because we're not the smartest guys in the room. I mean, Justin is smarter than I am. Like. <laughs> We, we get your comments and thoughts, and we talk about it and discuss it because that's what this is all about. I think people will debate that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But either way, like, there's great opinions out there, right? And we're all about putting them up here and talking about them, and that's what this is about, even when they disagree with ours. All right, today's episode, Justin, is brought to you by FanDuel. What, what do you think is more likely this year? What would you put your futures FanDuel bet on? Badgers getting into the Final Four or 49ers winning a Super Bowl? Impartially, just be impartial. 49ers going to the Super Bowl. How about that? Not winning. I would say that the likelihood is much higher that the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. My man. And, and I know you set that question up wanting that result. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. And you can do it all on FanDuel, Justin. Future spreads, parlays, teasers, it's all there. New customers, which you could be. I don't think you already are because I think you have a FanDuel account. Hmm. Uh, I don't think you do, actually, because you can't in Wisconsin. I can't. Wisconsin is holding me back. Otherwise, I likely would. Um, new customers, $5 bet. You get $150 back in bonus bets. Uh, win or lose, it's free money, bonus bet money. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Parlays, spreads, teasers, like I said, it's all there. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Today's episode also brought to you by GameTime. GameTime is the number one place to buy all your tickets. Get everything in advance. You don't have to plan about it. You don't have to worry about logistics. Just If we are talking about a Badger run, which I know Justin is is thinking about it, right? Um, people on the, on the Twitter sphere are thinking about it. You can buy those tickets on game time. You can go get those tickets for the Big Ten tournament on game time. Get them for a buddy. Get them for yourself. Cheaper, faster, flash deals. You get pictures of the seats before you buy the tickets so you know exactly what's there. Um, And they have everything. Theaters, concerts, comedy. It's all there on game time. Fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're in and out. Snake the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code LockdownCollege for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply again. Create the account, redeem code locked on to college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
All right. Before we go anywhere else, Justin, I want to ask you this. Because I used to take you off for the ad reads. Now I leave you on. What one do you like more? It depends if I need a drink or something like that or need to get, walk away for a couple of seconds. Yeah, <laughs> this is kind of easier for me, but like I, I realized I, I don't mind. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind. So, Justin, I, I teased it. And, guys, in the comments, guys and gals in the comments, if you have any questions, thoughts on this offensive line stuff, put it in there. We'll start. We'll talk about it. Um, I'm going to throw up Bo Dragon's comment here real quick first. Bo, you can't teach line of scrimmage talent. It's recruited. I, I will disagree with that, actually. Uh, on the defensive line, I would agree with it. On the offensive line side, I think it's far more difficult to tell who's going to be. And a lot of the times, these four- and five-star guys, they don't turn out. We see plenty of guys that come out in the first round of the draft who were a three-star. And I would I would actually like to see the, the hit rate for offensive linemen that are four- and five-star talents. I bet it's actually pretty low. It's probably one of the lower ones uh, positionally out of – uh, the five-star and four- and five-star talent ranges. Um, but honestly, looking at our offensive line this year, we had two four-stars at the tackle positions, and the rest were three-stars or lower. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of tells you. And there were four-stars sitting behind them who are not playing. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent development that takes place with that. But there's also – it's so hard to tell because you'll have a guy that comes in, the three-star guy who is six foot five, 245 pounds coming out of high school who needs a couple of years to bulk up and turns into a monster once he actually gets to the right weight and is more athletic and flexible than the guy who came in at 300 pounds that just – it wasn't there. Like some of these guys just don't develop the same way once they get into a strength and conditioning program. So, I mean – it's it, it, it's a super interesting question. Uh, I, I think it's like this. I think every single position can be further maximized by having an elite coach, right? Yeah. And, and ideally, all- you're getting a guy who's good at both development, yeah, evaluation. You get and- the guy who's recruiting coach. I tend to think offensive line, there's more of a coaching impact in that. I, I really do. I, I just, I, I would agree with that. I think there's more of a coaching element to offensive line. I think that pendulum is more in the middle. Whereas we talked about running back, I think running back. If you have to lean one way, you want a guy who's an elite recruiter. Yeah. Um, Look, looking at can like the Kansas guy who we were talking about earlier, Kansas became a dominant offensive team like right out of the bat when when Leipold went there. A big part of that is the fact that the guy was able to evaluate and and find guys and develop them quickly. With their defense, they it's clearly a talent issue. Like you can't just cover up those things by getting a two star guy and saying, "Well, we'll coach him up." If they don't have the athletic tools on the defensive side, you there's not a lot you can do. I like this comment from Tim because I, I think he might have hit the nail on the head. Eval is the most important part of uh, – Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Like you got to find – the offensive line coach who can find those guys who he thinks can develop, like that is maybe the best skill for an offensive line go, uh, coach. Um, Justin, let me throw some of these comments in here. I want to throw this one up quick with not, not a whale. Does Guyton pass your standards for recruiting and receiver coach, Ryan? I want to be super clear. Like – I don't know. I don't know. Right. Like, I hope so. I like what I know about him, but I am not, I certainly don't want to pass myself off as like the expert of what a coach is or can't be. I like the recruiting results he's had at Arkansas. Like that's something tangible yeah. you can look at. Um, I like the the playing background that he has in the Midwest at Ohio state. I think there's connections there. He's recruited Texas. He's and he's recruited- from Texas. Yeah. So he's got the advantage of that. I like those things, but listen, it's wait and see. Um, yeah. I'm really not here to make a pass a judgment before he's, you know, even been here a year. 
I would agree with that too. I, I think that from a recruiting standpoint, he looks like he's done some really good things in that regard, but I don't know how good of a coach he is. And I don't know, you know, is he capable of getting us into battles that we weren't before? Like it really is going to come down to what type of guys he likes to get in. The one thing I did like looking at the Arkansas roster is there were several guys that were six foot three. Yeah. You know, the, those big, tall, lanky guys that you can get out there. Now, I don't know how many of them were hits that were that size, but it would be nice to have a few bodies out there that are 6'3", 190, or 200 pounds that are guys that are capable of being mismatch problems because of their size. Mm -hmm. Justin, I want to go here. Um, we, we had a couple of people throw some questions our way, maybe, again, disagreements or slight disagreements. This is from Bob N. I'm going to let you take this one. Ease up, Justin. Store Blackwell and now a siege in our NBA players question mark. This is from our live show today. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, I will go out there and say that each of them has NBA upside and it to a different degree. Um, I think store is a guy who's a first round pick. If everything hits, I think Blackwell has a chance to be a guy who likely is probably more of a second round type pick, but a guy who can, I think can click when he gets to the NBA and be a really good rotational piece for somebody for a long time. There's a lot of things that he does really well that has a really good IQ that will play at the NBA level. And when it comes to a CGN, there's always a place for guys who can shoot. Like if he can be even capable of defending at a D plus level, if he can shoot when they need somebody out there to, to create space for the guys who can drive, he'll find 10 minutes a game. You know, he'll, it's not like he's going to go out there and be a guy who's going to be a top rotational piece. I'm talking about him being a guy who's capable of being able to go out there and steal a few minutes here and there for an NBA team. And that's more than most of these guys are capable of doing. Let me ask you this. Put a person, I'm putting you on the spot here, but that's it's listen, it's 1147 Eastern. Um, this is just a kind of a fun show. And in the, in the chat, let us know this too. I'm curious on this one, Justin. I'm going to ask you store black on the season. Give me a percentage that you think they'll be drafted. Like if you are 100% sure AJ Store will be drafted, for example, 100%. What percentage, first or second round on these guys? Um, I think Store I'd put at 65%. I'm going to say Blackwell's probably a 50-50 shot. If he, you know, we need to see him obviously take a couple steps. So first or second round? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not putting him in either round. Yeah, it's... And then Asijian is probably some a guy who I could see at like twenty percent. Like if he if things go right for him, he has a chance to do it. But I'm not going to say that it, you know he needs to be there by the end of his college career. Here he has to be basically JJ Redick at Wisconsin. Like he's got to be averaging like 15, 16 points a game and be a very high level shooter in order to be able to steal an opportunity at the NBA. Uh, Troy, Troy Glasson says this year or whenever they declare. I mean, whenever, whenever they, they declare. Yeah, whenever it's not going to be this year. Store's not even ready this year. Like, I, I there's he's got a lot to clean up in his secondary, like, abilities to be able to get an NBA shot, I think. So that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, so you went uh, 20% on the season, 60% on Store, and 50-50 on Blackwell? Yeah. So I'm, I'm higher on Store. I'm lower on the season, and I'm probably right there with you on Blackwell. Darren says store 95%, Blackwell 20%, Asijin 0%, and I love the kid. I would say store for me, just because the athleticism, I think, in a shooting will play. To get into the second round, I'm going to say it's like 80, 85%. Yeah. I think I'm pretty positive. He'll and, be and, I, rounder. 
I might be low on him. I look at him and right now and I see games like today where there's kind of a hiccup and he's not overly efficient. Mm-hmm. And the secondary numbers just aren't there. Like Johnny Davis, what got him drafted was, yes, the scoring was inconsistent with him, but he was a top-level rebounder. He was a good free-throw shooter. He was a guy who played really hard on defense and actually was a pretty solid defender. And Storr's not that level of defender. He's not a great rebounder. He's a solid passer, but he makes some some he tries to make some plays that aren't there at times and he's they're not always good passes which is something that i think is a, is problematic like he had a couple times where he was he's throwing it a little too low and stuff like that and guys just aren't catching it in the pocket where they can do something with it as easily as they should um but, but a lottery pick see i don't think yeah there, and there is a difference there. there is a difference there but he is not at johnny's level though either yet he's not like, he, but i think if i'm talking second round i bet you he finds a way in the second round he probably um, will, and I, but I just need – my point is is I need to see him. He's going to have to take steps. Like there's a chance that he's also just this for the rest of his college career, and Joel if that's Frickle, the case. Joel Frickleton says 50%, 5%, zero. I, like I said, I'm probably higher on store. I'd go 80-ish percent on store. I think it's likely he at least finds in the second round. I think Blackwell, I would go like 35 40%. I'm, I'm not quite 50-50. Um, and then Isijin, I'm, I'm way below 20% on that. Fairly. I, I'm above zero. Like, I don't think it's a complete zero, but I just don't think he's going to He's a situational guy, and I don't even know if he'd be drafted. I think it would be most likely he gets catches on, like, a contract or G League-type thing where he he just develops enough through there to be a, a rotational piece for somebody as, like, a 10 through 12 guy. Try glass and says, store 90%, black will 35, Connor zero. If you go two more inches, the chance would be way higher. I would agree with that. There's yeah. – Tim says Dijon's only 36% from three. Not clear he's a great shooter. Darren says, I think Storr gets strapped on athleticism and projection alone. Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. Uh, let me throw out this next comment because we're just kind of banging on some of the ones. This is for more for me. This is from Bob M. He says, Badgers were crisp today with lots of depth. Ryan, it's time to admit our depth is good. No, Bob, it's not. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, this it's, is, it's getting there. I would say... One of the things I've been consistent on is without Connor, I don't love our depth. With if if this is a version of Connor we get, I think the depth is better. We still have depth issues in the front court. Mm. Um, let's be super clear on this. Like if Crowler Wall gets hurt, you're starting. You're, yeah. you're you're putting Carter Gilmore in the starting lineup. That's yeah. That's probably which is why Winter has to get like get minutes because yeah. he's got to become more confident than what he is. He plays hard, but we need to see him attack more when he gets the touches the basketball today was a nice step forward he made some nice cuts and he was aggressive at going to the rim he didn't really hold back when he got the three-point shooting opportunity that is something that he was not doing even just a couple of games ago where he was not shooting when he touched the ball wide open on three and it's like put it up you've got to take that shot you were a high level three-point shooter in high school and nobody's guarding you that's a wide open look take it I i would say I would say the depth is better. It, it's it has to me. I'm I'm more invested or, or I've bought more of the depth stock than I did at the beginning of the year because I think Kamari McGee has shown some flashes. Um, if Connor can do well, it's better. Uh, so I'm I'm not against admitting I'm wrong, right? Like if you the wor- the only thing worse than being wrong, Justin, which everybody is at some point in their lives, is being too stubborn to admit when you are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still think there's some questions in the front court. But I do think the depth is better than it was early in the year, maybe better than I gave it credit for. I'm totally fine with saying that. Um, John Berger says, if he makes it to the Sweet 16, Sweet 16, he should be still on the hot seat. 
if he loses in the first second round, he should be fired. Justin, if he makes it to the Sweet 16, that's the only part of this. Because um, he's not getting fired if he makes it to the second round, John. He's just not. No. If he makes it to the Sweet 16, is there any reason he should be on the hot seat? I, I If he makes look, – look, looking at what I think this season, the way this season is going to play out, he could flame out in the first round, and I think it's not going to give him a hot seat. Because yeah. the season is going to be – they're going to end up being a 25-1 team. And, yes, it will look ugly that they lost the game. Number one, they won't because this team is way too efficient offensively. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna get matched up against somebody who's just not gonna be able to score with them for an entire game. And number two, I think Sweet Sixteen is becoming unless they get a really bad matchup for them in the second round. I just don't see a way that they're not making it to the Sweet Sixteen. Like they're they're going to overwhelm a lot of teams because they do actually have a bit two bigs that can score, and they have plenty of guard depth. And that's a problem that a lot of teams don't have. Like McGee is becoming a guy who you can feel comfortable with being out on the court for a prolonged period. Number one, because he's being he's looking like a plus defender. Number two, he's he's not really doing anything. Like you watch him out there. We had him out there for longer stretches in this game, and it was like they're fine with him. He's not making bad mistakes. He's not forcing passes. He's running the offense. He's not trying to take shots that he shouldn't. It was a really nice aggressive take by him on the one where he got the layup. And if this is the player we're going to get from him, he's a great backup. Yeah. He's a guy you're fine with playing 10 minutes. Also hit the open three. Yeah. Um, like that's the thing. Everybody has different roles, right? If, if he, for whatever reason, Hepburn were to go down and Klesman's on your starter, there's going to be some real deficiencies there. Like mm-hmm. he has some yeah. real holes in his game. Yeah, you can't afford injuries still. But nobody can. 10 minutes and provide energetic, quick defense. He's not going to be relied on as much of a playmaker role. He's not that guy, but he can get in passing lanes. He can bother opposing point guards. And if he, here's a big key to him. He needs to be able to hit that occasional three. Like when he's open, he he did not shoot well his first year. He needs to be able to hit that Mm -hmm. occasional three. And if he can do that, suddenly that's, that's a viable backup point guard in any big 10 ecosystem. So uh, I've been higher on him for sure. I think he's a big part of this depth that's gotten a little better. Um, let's throw this up here. Christian Colmas says, I know we don't talk hockey, but I feel we need to give some love to the men's hockey team. Won their ninth oh, yeah. in a row, only seven four to four. Yep. Took, took down Notre Dame, swept them this weekend. So well, I follow them. I just know nothing about hockey. Otherwise I would gladly talk about it, but yeah, they're having a great season. That coaching hire was possibly the best hire that, that, that has been made. So, yep. I mean, he has been lights out for a team that has, underwhelmed for such a long period of time let's see um a couple more comments i want to throw up here justin if you see anything as well this is from tyler gilmore still isn't scoring very much but he doesn't look so scared of the ball in his hands he does seem to be settled into his role like there listen there'll never not be some offensive issues with gilmore it just is what it is we've talked store in terms of his lack of feel Carter Gilmore has a lack of feel out on the court when he does certain things. Like I feel like he's pre-planning what movie is going to do when he starts going into it. Like there's times I see him spin and I'm like, no, like there's too many bodies there. Like just, you can't do that. And it's that type of thing that you look at with a guy that it's like, you, you have to be smarter than that and really understand what your job is to do out there. If there's a layup and there's nobody in front of you, go up and take it. If you're if the shot clock's getting ready to expire and you have to take a jump shot, take the jump shot, but do not force things that aren't there. And like mm-hmm. he, hey, to his credit, he hit that shot today on the layup, 
I didn't like what he was dribbling into there. It was not the smartest move, but he did he did finish. So I'll give him credit for finishing there. Uh, McIntosh really nailed that hire going back to hockey again. Yeah. Um, 100%. Kathleen Burroughs, I'm really excited about the hockey team. What a change. Um, I'm all for, and Christian, yeah, reach out to me. I would be more than happy to come on talk hockey. Let's do it. Like, I, I've had um, a couple of people come on talk volleyball. I had the women's – I mean, I know basketball at least, but we had uh, Coach Mosley on to talk women's basketball. I'm all about talking some of these – I just don't know it, right? But, yeah, let's do it, man. Christian, reach out to me. Um, Tim says Gilmore has a 56% field goal percentage. He's doing well. You should take a look at the shots he's taken. Um, yeah. Most of them are within five feet. But – I won't argue it. He, he is not – let's put it this way. Last year, he was a problem because there were times he would take shots that he he was not capable of hitting. He really has done a good job this year of being selective and not really forcing much offensively. He's trying to be more productive and take shots that are there. And that's I, – I, I really can't argue a lot with what I've seen from him play-wise. The, what, what Ryan and I have an issue with him from a limitation standpoint is if you start facing a team that's athletic – and has size and has skill, he's a guy who's going to struggle. And number one, offensively, he's going to be non-existent. But defensively, even, he's going to have a problem with somebody who's hyper-athletic because he just doesn't move well enough. Like, yeah. he's he doesn't have the size, he doesn't have the explosiveness to really stay with somebody who's capable of doing it. And we saw it a couple times. He got dunked on a couple times where he was he had a chance to go up and, and to just flat-out foul somebody to just take away a dunk earlier in the season. And I'm like... And All this, right. it kind of goes back to the old Jack Dunn conversations, right? Like, is it – it's not his fault, right? Like, um, No, you know, he's a great dude and he plays his butt hoped, off. We had hoped that a guy like Chris Hodges, who's a scholarship guy, or Mark, you know, uh, Ilver, who's a scholarship guy, that they had developed more to this point. There's a lack of depth in the front court. And that's a weakness of – again, that's what, one of the things I talk about with depth. That, that's a bit of a weakness on this team still. Justin, I want to ask you this. Same thing in the in – the, um, Let's see. Lord Croy says, I love this podcast. Watch every single one. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but come on, my dudes, be real. How much do you or any of us really know about any old line coaches at any other programs? I, I, I don't. I haven't that's, said that's it. What, I said. what are we talking about? I, I, I've said that Kansas has a really good stout offensive line. Oh, offensive line coaches. But I also preface that with they play a completely different style than we do. So it's really hard to equate that him being able to translate here, which is why somebody who knows stuff has to be the one to do it. Yeah, I have no clue. That's, that's why, like, I don't know. Um, but listen, it's also, I think this is the thing sometimes that people need to remember. It's not really, I hate, I don't want to, I don't know how to phrase this in a really great way. It's not really our job to know, right? Like no. the next, the next position has to be a home run hire or the next offensive line coach. I, I can honestly tell you 95% of the people that talk on ESPN don't either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a few guys that are former players that may know. But for the most part, even them, like a quarterback talking about offensive line play, I'm going to guess that from a technique standpoint, they're not going to be an expert on who's a great offensive line coach and, and yeah. stuff like that. They're watching the quarterback got hit. Um, <laughs> this let, this in the comment too. Let me know in the comments, Justin. Let me know. Um, Hunter says losing store wall would be the biggest hit to the team. I want to take this question and extend it to wall would be the biggest one that they cool. or Chucky. I, I was going to say, if you had to pick one player or no, give me your top two. Who would be the top two players that would hurt this team the most if there was an injury hit? For me, it's Chuck. Uh, one for me, and then it's Crowell too. Crowell too. Like, yes, that that would be the two. Um, I, I think Wall. You you lose. You, there's some things you can do to work around Wall being out. 
number one, you can go small and you could probably move store to the four. And then you just move Blackwell into the starting lineup. Your depth is going to take a massive hit. But 100%, if you lose the lose uh, Crowell, you just don't have anybody that can replace that right now. Yep. Winter would be – he would really struggle in that setup because he's just not ready to be able to play 25, 30 minutes, probably follow out in 20 minutes. Yeah, and then what do you do, right? And then you're in, in more of a bind. And with Hepburn, like we just praised Kamari McGee, but Kamari McGee is not ready to do what Hepburn has been doing for the no. last – for what really a lot of the season, and even what he had to do last year, where we had to take more of the offense under it. By the way, that was probably good for Hepburn's development, right? To work more on that, and now he can mm-hmm. be more situational with his offensive scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough last year, but it's probably good for him long term. Those two to me, it's Hepburn and Crowell. I think everybody else, listen, they're, they're all would be huge losses, but you can work around those pieces a little bit more. Well, I yeah, think. I know store creates a quite a bit of gravity, but there are some things you can do, like you would put Blackwell into the starting lineup and. He's going to create some problems too. Uh-huh. Today, a crowd or a store was not exactly lights out. Nebraska doesn't stink. I bet you anything that they finish top five or six in the league. That's a bow comment there. I, I will say that right now. It's it is a two team race. They're not going to they're not going to win it. It's two or three teams in the Big Ten. It's going to be Purdue, Wisconsin, or or uh, Illinois. Tim says Blackwell could play point. I don't think so yet. Not, um, probably next year he might start to be able to do some of that spot, has, spot minutes at that. Yes, he, he has great IQ. The the thing that would hold him back, Tim, from playing point is his ball handling isn't where it needs to be. He's kind of a, a one dribble guy. He doesn't have secondary moves, and he's a little too careless with the ball still. Which he's a freshman. He should be, but he he doesn't have the ball handling, the ability to break someone down that a point guard needs to have. And I don't think from a passing standpoint he's quite there yet. He has great pace though. He is one of those guys that you can see is like when he dribbles, he moves at his at his pace, not the defenders. And that's a big deal. Like you see bad point guards all the time that get sped up by a defender who really gets into him. He does break the press well. You're right, Tim. He he shows poise in those moments. He's a this is a comment we had, Justin. Um, I'll throw this up there too, because it kind of ties into the IQ and the the ability of, of Blackwell. This is from Tyler. Blackwell has the best freshman IQ since Nigel Hayes, possibly even better. I think from an IQ standpoint, that's a great comp. They're different players, different bodies, different positions. But just from an understanding the game, I think that is, and then that, like that's a perfect comp to me. Bodragon, Illinois already does have legal issues. Mm. <laughs> Shannon and Shannon is gone for the season. You can kiss him goodbye. I don't know if they're going to have any with the team themselves, but right now that guy's gone. Like he's he's not going to be a part of this. We'll see how they withstand it the rest of the season, being able to to hold up without Shannon. But that's a massive loss for them. He's their best player. Uh, Justin, anything else? I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, our kind of second live show today. Appreciate everybody for tuning in as always. Um, again, we were just kind of texting back and forth, and Justin made the good point. Let's uh, yes. let's just do it with the community. Yep, yep. They, uh, yeah, no, I don't have anything else to say on this. I, I mean, we're going to find a lot out. This next week or two here is going to have a lot going on. We're going to probably find out four or five more portal guys that we had we're going to end up having a new offensive line coach because honestly this is going to probably be posted monday and it will probably be when the seven days is up it will be done they my guess is that they announced this they probably know who they're hiring already not a wheel once more giveaway shows mm-hmm. man I, I wish i could like i wish i could man um for this is a good point to bring this up um i randomized all the winners i still need addresses from while well, i got you here 
Tyler Morgan, Tyler Romaine, John Estock, DJ Hungerford, Badgerball81, and Rob Sorensen. If any of you guys won and you're listening to this, are you listening to this later? Maybe you already sent me your addresses and I missed it. I apologize. Send it to me on Twitter, Discord, whatever. So I need addresses from you guys and all the prizes can go out. I Like I said, I already randomized everything, so I already know who won everything. Um, if anybody's curious, Dan O, who has reached out to me, he won the Joe Thomas helmet. But there's some other really good prizes out there, so... Send me your addresses if you haven't. And if you haven't, I missed it. I apologize. Send it to me again. Um, Justin, you did not get the Joe Thomas helmet. I know. I was not eligible to win the Joe Thomas helmet. You were not. <laughs> um, Justin, awesome idea to jump on this. It was fun. It's always fun to chop it up with you guys. Um, yeah. Spring Bow Dragon, spring game. I don't know about Ryan. I plan to go again. Let's go. All right. Let's Works for it. me. Let's do it, man. Let's go freeze our butts off again. Ryan can be in his shorts. And the, the nice 25-degree weather when it's snowing on us. Let's do it. I love it. Bo Dragon says no more linebackers. Listen, I've been saying that, Bo, and people keep yelling at me for it. So you and I are on the same same canoe well, on this. Well, I don't think anybody cares if bodies go out. Like, if people leave, unless there's people that weren't planning on actually leaving. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys, I think, knew the writing was on the wall. And it's pretty clear that they weren't going to be really a part of the issue. There's been a lot of talk, and people kind of said this. One of the issues that there is with the new complexion of college football, there are guys who are going to look at it as just like, I got a scholarship. I can just stay here and just kind of be a drain. Mm -hmm. And that is not something that you can really have if you're trying to have the expectations that Wisconsin is going to have. You have to kick those guys out. And that that stinks. But if they're never going to be productive for you in, in play, then what are you going to do? You can't just leave them sit there and eat up scholarship spots. That's going to crush your team, and it's going to hold you back. Wisconsin can't afford to lack depth like that. Yeah. And there's probably 20 bodies on the roster right now that we look at and be like, yeah, we probably wouldn't be hurting if this guy left. A couple people in the comments. Um, ben Alban, give me Tackett. Tyler Streeper. Tackett. I, I'll take Tackett if they can get him. Darren Wyman says, give me one more Tackett. There's just other spots that we need. Oh. Defensive line is a massive problem right now. We cannot go into next season without at least two bodies in that defensive line room. My head will explode if we get another linebacker. And we here's the, here's we the thing. If, if we get another linebacker and we finish this cycle without a boundary receiver or a defensive lineman or another corner and we have six linebackers, I think my head will explode. Uh, and I love Tackett. That's the thing. Like nobody – I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people wanted Tackett in Madison more than I did last mm-hmm. year. Um, we've got five linebackers coming in. I, I just – I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me. But, yeah, if Taka came, would I – Would I? yeah, that would be great. You got to get a defensive lineman um, mm-hmm. and a receiver. But We need more uh, than one defensive lineman. They need at least a couple. You need two. Like, here's the thing. Like, this team – and, Justin, by the way, I love this comic because I, I, I always say, like, we're done, and then we just keep talking. Oh, yeah. Um, this is my oil. my talent. Not a little because the show goes on. Yeah, like, I already said goodbye, basically, and we're still talking about it. But here's my thing. Not having – this team is seriously capped unless the defense line gets a lot better. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Like it, it massively is. If the if the defensive line is solid, the rest of the defense will play up. And that's the issue right now. Is the defense, I don't think the defensive line is gonna be solid with what we have in that room right now. They need to absolutely add talent. If they can be solid with the guys we brought in, if things click, they have a chance to be a good defense. Because I really think they have the athletes to fly around if everyone knows what they're doing. And that will play up. Then you might be looking at the type of defenses that we were used to watching before, just a little bit more athletic. 
I don't think we'll necessarily be a team that's going to have a, a ton of sack numbers, but I think it will be significantly improved over what we saw before. And yes, that's exactly it. Speed, speed, speed. The yep. linebackers will be flying everywhere in the middle of the field. Realistically, what Fickle wants to do is he wants to eat up the middle of the field so that you have to, as a quarterback, attack the sidelines. And if that's the case, those are the hardest throws for a quarterback to make. There are very few of them that can do it at a high level for an entire game, which is why he plays defense that way. And let's be real. Let, let's 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 again, man. I'm, this show's going to end up being like an hour and a half, but <laughs> um, let's let's just scenario build really quick, right? Let's say nobody comes in in the transfer portal. That means it's last year's defensive line with internal development of guys potentially like Jamel Howard, Curtis Neal, and you're adding Willer, you're adding Dylan Johnson. That's basically the group. That's that's not a – even though I really like Dylan Johnson, we've talked about it, I really like Willer, and I was super high on Jamel Howard, that's not a big enough infusion of talent. Mm-hmm. In, in two or three years, that combination of guys could be – they could all be studs. Not next year. Like that's too much to ask for freshmen coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be good enough. It just isn't. At most, you expect those guys to give you 10 to 15 snaps. At and if most. You, this is a comment. That, and that's a great point. That's what Brian Smith, Brian Smith made a literal comment of, or not literal, but he said, listen, that's like a 15 to 20 snap guy. And if you start asking him to do more than that, you're not going to get out of him what you're mm-hmm. hoping to get out of him because you're, he's going to get wore down as a freshman. He's going to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. So, that, so I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating this. The, the, the fate of the defense rides on them getting better at the defensive line spot. Mm-hmm. And, I hope they can do it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Because, and and people will look at this, I think the pass rush will be better regardless of what happens with the defensive line. It's going to be the running defense that's going to be a problem. Like, we need to stop the run game for other teams. If we can't do that, we're going to get gutted, and it won't matter how good our pass rush is. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Ferguson says, Ernest on the way. Ben Alvin says, Curtis could be decent. He flashed in the bowl game. Kurt, Kurt Neal definitely flashed in the bowl I game. Just, he, I don't know if he's capable of playing 60 snaps, which is part of the problem. Like He can't play at, at a high level for that many reps. I love this comment because, Justin, you said something very similar when you and I were talking on the phone. He basically said, the bowl game against LSU, if we, did, if we have any semblance of pass rush or defense line, we smoke LSU off the field. Mm-hmm. We, need we do. Absolutely. Snaps. If that quarterback gets uncomfortable at all, that game is over. Because if he's had to run for his life a little bit, even if it's not sacks, if you're just getting pressure on him, the throws aren't – he's not going to have all day to sit there and, and throw the ball up. Number one, a lot of those pass plays don't happen because he's not going to have guys that are 20, 30 yards on field that he could throw it up to. And number two, he's going to be rattled. He's not going to be on target because he's going to be hearing footsteps. We've seen so many quarterbacks happen. I don't – there's nothing in my head that says Nussmeyer is going to be a Heisman-level quarterback who's one of those guys that – is going to be making plays even with somebody stomping them. We had like, that. There's very few of those guys. We had that team, and then you look at the box score, you threw some 40 times, he never got sacked. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's a problem. And you got real Pac-12 teams coming in with, like, listen, defensive line, like Oregon's going to have a defensive line. Washington's going to have a defensive line. You got – actually, look at this. We got, uh, Bama's week three, I believe. We got a Ducks fan in the chat. Ready to see my Duckies play y'all next year in Wisconsin. Is TVD starting next year for y'all? Who's going to be your quarterback? Yeah. He should be. Yeah. TVD will be the quarterback. Welcome to the chat, Ducks fan. Yeah. We have we spent an entire offseason before we hate each other. <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, nice work in the portal. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was a heck of a sign. Yeah. Welcome to the Big Ten, my friend. How How is it treating you so far? I know it's just getting started, but we hope that um, we hope it's fun at least until we play each other. Not a whale says we owe you some payback. Um, for, <laughs> yeah, the Rose Bowl there. Dude, Oregon's probably the headline, uh, the number, the team that's most likely to win the conference next year. Just being Let me this comment up. This is from Tyler because I was talking about the need for another receiver. He said Anthony and Burroughs didn't impress in the bowl game. 
Uh, so two things they did and, and Tretch did as well, but there still is to me a need of a proven guy. And the other part of that is LSU's secondary and defense all season was, was really bad. That's a, that's a very bad LSU defense, even by their, or not even by their standards, by any standard. Um, there's a reason that entire defensive coaching staff was fired. So mm-hmm. those guys did impress me. I like Anthony Burroughs has upside, but if you go into next season and you, and you don't upgrade there, you're putting an awful lot on their shoulders. I think you need to get somebody who can create, listen, for everybody saying we need more linebackers, you need depth, iron sharpens iron. Well, the same applies to receiver. Like you need some more talent in there. Yeah. Not well. Duclona didn't impress either. He shouldn't have been playing. There's very few freshman corners that are ready to go. And he's he's got some talent, but I don't think he was ready, and especially not against – like you don't want to really be breaking him in against a team like LSU. That's a lot to ask somebody that's that young of a player who honestly didn't play very much during the regular season. Let's see. Um, Zach Bart says we need a true alpha dog in that room. Defense line is pieces, but they need an alpha. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really well said. Um, all right, let, let's maybe start to wrap it there, Justin. I'm going to see if I can actually cut it because listen, we're going to talk again tomorrow. We got another show tomorrow. But Ryan, what... <laughs> it's like midnight, yeah. 14 my time. Yeah. Um, I'm like also three IPAs in. I feel yeah. like I'm, I feel like I'm hiding it pretty well. But the longer this goes, the more cracks might start to appear in the facade yeah. of. Uh, let's finish with any other comments. Ben Alban says our middle linebackers at the minimum will be better with Thomas and maybe Allegro. Linebackers will be better, Justin. I, I'm very confident in saying that. Yeah, athletically, it's going to be night and day. I'll say that right now. And that's just a lot more length. Number one, Thomas is going to be – he has scheme knowledge. He's mm-hmm. coming in. He's a guy who has been in this system before. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. And that right off the bat gives you an advantage. Rather than having two guys that don't know where they're going, you have one guy that is. And you also have one guy that can help him with his reads. So now you have somebody who will hopefully – upgrade the the corner the linebacker play overall in the middle the guys on the outside i actually think they're just better athletes they when you look at pious and i'll be i'll be quite honest peterson's gonna get passed like i'll be shocked if if lowry and pious aren't the starters come game one what about lafayette so you and i talked before the, before this influx of linebackers you and i both said he's gonna play next year i still, I still think he'll play i don't know i, I don't know how much I, I think there's going to be guys that kind of fall down the, the list. Like Peterson really didn't impress me this but season. I think Peterson can be a run. He can, he can be that role of like the Noah Burks had played of like um, the CJ gets a little bit gets played too much. Cause we didn't have depth, but he could, I think Peterson could be a run stop. Is he the edge setter on that side? Though? I think he could be, he's strong and physical. I think he can do that. I think maybe he's just been miscast as a guy. We're hoping to get pressure on the quarterback when that's not been his game. He could play as that kind of first and 10, run setting edge and then okay. on third and seven a guy like pies maybe that is lafayette then a guy like i just yeah. i'm not sure lafayette plays now with the depth coming in i was pretty we'll sure see. it'll be play. interesting we'll see how much he flashes in spring okay for real now i'm gonna end it um there are more comments i could still take but appreciate everybody justin um we might just do another show tomorrow i don't know i think you guys got one tomorrow 2 a.m we'll be like i can't sleep <laughs> but anyway guys thank you so much for tuning in it's it's late it was a good show um definitely more to come on wisconsin send me your addresses if you haven't yet for the giveaway show for the winners justin anything else no i'll let you shut it down now all right let's do it <laughs> later guys we'll talk uh tomorrow